unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the 100th episode of the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm excited. We have reached a milestone with the podcast, and we've got a very special episode, very special guest on today's episode. Yes, we do. Number 100. This is our, our uh, 100th episode. It's pretty cool. It is. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm not shocked, but uh, every week we're still coming up with really awesome content. It's kind of crazy how, how the lifespan of this podcast just keeps going and keeps getting better. Well, we have a special guest and a, a special episode today. It's a special report from the field. We might even want to call it a fast track master class in music and copywriting. Our special guest today is copywriter Doug Pugh. He also happens to have a doctorate in classical music composition from the University of Cincinnati. He's a conductor. He's won awards for his music. He wrote an opera, which was performed at the Kennedy, music, at the Kennedy Center. And he was also a Fulbright Scholar at the prestigious Frederick Chopin University of Music in Warsaw, Poland. And since this is the Copywriters Podcast, Dr. Pugh has agreed to give us an in-depth look at some prized secrets only composers know that we as copywriters can use ourselves to make our own copy more compelling and profitable. And it will be easy for you to understand, even if you don't know a thing about music other than what you like to listen to. So Doug, welcome. And thanks in advance for all the hard work you've done putting your part of this show together. It's great to be here. Thank you so much, David. It's an honor. Thank you. Well, uh, before we get into this exciting material, I have a message that could well be called the Music of the Copywriters podcast. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity. You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. And even before we go on, I, I want to mention that Doug has threatened to put those words to music. So if you hear it someday in the future and I'm singing it, you'll know why. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Now, you've told me you have three musical strategies that evoke and extend emotions in copywriting. And I got very excited about this idea because that's what every good copywriter wants to do, engage the prospect's emotions and keep an emotional momentum going through the close. So before we get to your great examples, could you briefly explain the concept a composer uses to evoke emotions in a piece of music? Sure. So there's so many components to a musical composition, whether it's an old school um, classical piece like Mozart or Beethoven, or whether it's a 
you know, rock song or Chuck Berry or the Beatles or whether it's Beyonce or, or whoever. There's a bunch of layers and there's the melody. We, we typically hear the melody first, like sing along, twist and shout or whatever the, you know, the number one song on your playlist might be. Uh, you hear the tune typically first, but that's not usually where the emotions live. The emotions typically live in an undercurrent that we call harmony, the chords, the progression of chords, how the notes stack on one another and how they move in sort of an internal dark chocolate kind of motion underneath sort of the, the, the frosting, the melody. So it's that internal movement of, of harmony of notes that create and can really like almost exude in fact, I can point to many places, pieces of music and specific spots where the chords move that I feel a specific emotion. That may sound a little woo-woo, but it's, it's pretty across the board. Composers know how to use chords together to bring their audiences into an emotional state. You, you know, um, that reminds me of some things I've been learning about one of my heroes and role models, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. His melodies were okay. They weren't bad, but they weren't fantastic. But the harmony underneath was absolutely groundbreaking. And I think it's true about the Beatles, too, right? They Very much so. did stuff with harmony that no one else was doing. Anyway, thank you for that. That's, that's really interesting. And I'm assuming you're going to show us how to use this kind of idea or some of the many ideas you've already talked about how or how people have used them in copy. Is that true? That's true. And sometimes they're not easy to spot at first. They're kind of subliminal, but the great copywriters who we're going to talk about, they're careful enough that they've taken the time to make sure these bits get in, in the pudding. Okay. Well, let's jump right into it. Then your first strategy, I I'm going to call it variations on a theme. I know you might want to call it something different, and I'm open to that. Um, it's about a famous musical phrase. takes less than one second when it's played, and yet this phrase keeps audiences on the edge of their seats for 45 minutes. Could you explain the strategy to us and, and show us how it works in copy? Absolutely. So we're talking here about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, the super famous piece that I think everybody lists as the number one piece of classical music that they know of. And the super quick little theme, it's almost like a kernel. It's not even, I'm not even sure it qualifies as a full melody. It's like a teeny, teeny, itty bitty melody in four notes. It goes like this. Then he takes those four notes, three shorts and a long, and literally every measure, measure by measure by measure for, over, for thousands of measures, over four different movements, he keeps altering it and repeating it and building longer melodies out of it. But for 45 minutes, the entire symphony is built on those four notes, three shorts and a long. He flips it, turns it around lengthens it, shortens it even more, makes a big, huge, bold statement with it at the end, but it's all built on this repetition of four notes, these, this kernel. So the example in copy, uh, I was looking at a letter by Ben Settle, one of my copywriting crushes. Am I allowed to have a man crush on a yeah, copywriter? Sure. He's definitely one of them. Ben's great. Uh, Ben's awesome. 
he wrote this incredible letter for Ken McCarthy, another copywriter crush of mine, for Ken McCarthy's um, course, the Copy Clinic, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. And I'm pulling it up here. He, there's two things going on here. So the, the headline is how to write great copy, dot, 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 without needing to be a great copywriter in, in uh, quotations. So the headline is sort of has two halves. First, how to write great copy. That's like the big idea. Okay, we're going to show you how to write great copy. But then second is kind of this emotional undercurrent without needing to be a great copywriter. That's what caught my attention. It's like, oh, well, I'm learning this thing. Uh, I want to I know that. I want to be good quick. So sure. But the, as he does, as he begins the letter, he repeats the big idea over and over and over and over again in many, many different ways. But it's the same point how to write great copy. And Ken is the master. Ken's going to show you in this course how to write great copy. And you're going to learn it this way and this way and this way and this way. And for about the first third of the letter, it's just over and over and over and over again. And then when he kind of transitions into the more emotional part of without needing to be a great copywriter, he still continues to use Ken's, um, his resume of amazingness to drive home that emotional point, just like Beethoven. Beethoven takes that four-note motive or theme and uses it to describe an emotion, uses it to describe a big bombast at the end. It's very, very similar. So that kind of repetitive driving home of the big idea in many different guises. Well, that's interesting. You know, we always talk about how repetition sells and um, if you went to any school other than music school, I think one of the things that was beaten into your head was don't be repetitive, make your point and move on, move on, move on. But, but you're saying actually it works different, huh? Very much so. Yeah. I didn't hear that in music school. It was keep practicing the same thing over and over and over. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like with my children, I have five kids, my wife and I, and we seem to be saying the same thing to them over and over and over but it's different every day because one day you know sister number two hit me okay but we're learning to be nice right so we do this and then day the next day brother number one steals my toy okay but we're learning to be nice it's the same thing just like what ben's doing he's driving the same point home but the context changes as the day changes or as the letter progresses do you happen to have the letter handy do you have any any examples of no one's ever accused him of being boring so how does he keep it interesting okay here's a here's a couple examples these these great copywriters like gary bensavenga and marty edelson send him fan mail about his sales letters no joke his stuff is that good in fact world-class marketing genius dan kennedy has been using samples of this man's work for years he hasn't even told us who it is yet this man's work he's about to reveal so there's one quick little you know, world-class marketing genius Dan Kennedy has been using samples of this man's work for years. The next paragraph. And when Agora Publishing, another direct mail giant, needed someone to teach them, uh, teach the first and most important lesson of their advanced copywriting course, the first two people they called were Jay Abraham and this man. And then the next one. Plus, his own ads offer uh, run for several years straight. Then the next one. Even though he's not a named copywriter, just again and again and again for literally, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. 10, 12, 15 more paragraphs. These just over and over. Every one of them starts with another proof point of Ken's greatness. So there's this kernel, which is 
this guy who I'm not even going to tell you his name yet is really great. And there's Dan Kennedy and there's Agora and there's um, all those other people you mentioned. Just, just keep hammering it home. And yet it didn't seem repetitive. It didn't seem boring. So are we going to um, wrap up this idea by saying that Ben Settle is the Beethoven of copywriting? Ooh, I would, I don't, not, I'm okay with that. He's got that kind of gruff demeanor anyway, which Beethoven was famous for. He kind of beats people away with a stick. That was very much Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, but, but Beethoven is deaf, and I've heard that Ben's a pretty good listener. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, you, you can't always make these things line up 100%. Well, well, that's great. I, I really like that idea a lot. Motive development, variations on a theme, developing a kernel. Really cool. How about the next one? I think we could call it striking a chord. Um, you told me you composed three chords, just three. That's like every rock song has three chords. Three nice. chords is usually one or two chords more than most guitarists know. Um, <laughs> that cause your church audience to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's pretty good. Now, please tell us about that and also how we can use that even in a non-religious context with copy. Yeah, I've got two musical examples for you here. The one is with the church and the other one is from an opera. And actually, why don't we start with, with the opera one because it's a little less woo-woo. Sure. And then we'll get to the woo-woo in a second. Um, so this opera, you mentioned before I had an opera at the Kennedy Center. It's about a young autistic woman and her whole coming-of-age story. Well, the opera begins when her caretaker has just died, and she's in total meltdown. She's regressed. She, she's lost the ability to speak. She has to be moved into a new home, and she's afraid to go outside. Talk so, about emotion. My yeah, gosh. Tons of emotion. So the beginning of the opera, and, and the opera's called Penny, which is her name, <laughs> but she can't speak. So how do you have the opera star act and not be able to say anything. That was a big question. So she speaks in her dreams at first, and then later she gets the ability to speak back. But we had to depict her emotional state so that the audience felt like they were her. And I did that with three very specific chords. I call them the chords of despair. And I use them over and over again as we see Penny come on stage for the first time. So let me play you a little excerpt from this opera where um, the, the three chords, you'll hear them, let's see, one, two, three times in a row. Okay, I'm going to turn my strings on my keyboard and demonstrate these three kind of gnarly emotional chords. Okay, so as those chords play, you see her walk on, and she kind of hums to herself and moans a little bit. And just a little side note for us music geeks, because I know you, David, and, and Nathan also are, are both music geeks like me. Those three chords actually contain no more than exactly the 12 tones in the chromatic scale with no repetitions. The four separate uh, notes in each chord 
they weave together in this kind of half-step motion that really kind of draws emotion out, okay? So the idea of striking a chord, like you were saying in copywriting, can do the same thing with words. Uh, now, the second example with the church piece, which I'll do really quick, just to set the stage again. So just kind of imagine. Imagine you're at a church service, whatever denomination you like, and you're feeling the need to commune with a greater power or the universe or however you believe and uh, you have this this kind of yearning right so mm-hmm. when i wrote this piece i knew that my audience was in that state they were coming to an evening service which is not a normal service and they were coming specifically because it was a vesper service and they wanted to have a special kind of evening warm experience and knowing that they were in that state of mind i wrote these three chords to exude this emotion out of them and maybe it doesn't work on you, but maybe you're not that audience. But it worked really, really well for this audience. And here are the chords. Okay. It happened four times in a row. So again, there's a melody going on over that, and there's people singing. There's a choir, there's a solo soprano, and there's a violin solo over the top. So there's a bunch of layers, but that's the harmonic foundation underneath. And I'm telling you, nobody wanted to talk about anything else but that moment <laughs> when the piece was over and the service was over. So it really pulled that off, that, that emotional experience I was looking for. So what about in copywriting? Yeah. Um, well... There's this concept of, uh, well, let's, let's look at Gary Halbert. So Gary Halbert has this great letter called The Amazing Money-Making Secret of a Desperate Nerd from Ohio. And he had such a great way of using certain kinds of words that are so visual and more than visual, though. You don't just see yourself. You feel what this guy's feeling as he explains what he's talking about. So here, Yeah, I think that was one of Gary's great talents among many is that he could get you to feel how he was feeling or how he wanted you to feel. Yeah. I mean, it, in truth, he's like a great film score composer, right? A film does not work. Think of Star Wars or, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark or E.T. or Harry Potter or any, any film with great music. You wouldn't feel what Luke is feeling without... Writes that, whoa, you're in the moment. So Gary had this great way of doing it with simple words that we all use, but he used them in just the right way. So here's a few examples from the opening of that of that letter. Um, My name is Gary Halbert, and some time ago I was dead broke. It seems simple, dead broke, but that right away, okay, dead broke. Not just my bank account was empty. I didn't have any money. Dead broke is full of emotion. My business was almost bankrupt, and I couldn't even pay rent. He didn't have to say even. He just said I couldn't pay rent. 
but I couldn't even pay rent. That just brings that that extra note in the chord that goes, ooh, there's the, the sauce, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, I wasn't just broke. I was desperate. I was living in Ohio at the time, and my friends laughed at the idea. They thought it was a big joke. In fact, one guy said I was just a nerd and that my idea was so silly, he felt sorry for me. I mean, they're just simple words, right? But those little additions of so silly, just a nerd, just is a a really good one to sort of pull out, if you use it in just the right way, to pull out that emotion. But I love these simple, evocative, strong, I guess as John Carlton would call them, power words to exude emotion. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example from the master. Um, thank you for that. Let's talk about your third one now. Um, I'm playfully calling it off the beaten path because it involves a rhythm that is offbeat. Um, I yes. think, in fact, you've got a Beatles tune in mind. So uh-huh. tell, tell us all about that. <laughs> all puns intended. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the Beatles, of course, were master composers themselves. And one of their most famous early, I guess, sort of late middle stage uh, is called Eleanor Rigby, and it has a string quartet. This is the first piece of rock and roll or pop or any of those kind of genres that ever had nothing but voices and string quartet. Whoa, it's like this is classical music in the popular arena, right? But it has a jive to it, and that's, that's what we're talking about, this rhythm. So let me demonstrate a little bit. I'm going to try to sing and play at the same time. We'll see how that goes live on the air, but here we go. Get in the right key here. All right. beginning of the melody has this angular jaggedness to it. The piano is doing steady rhythms. And the melody over top is not matching with the rhythm. So listen one more time as I start the Eleanor Rigby part and hear how the melody does not match the rhythm in the chords beneath. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where the this kind of off-kilter rhythm, it drives the whole song. And then later when the chorus comes in um, and the harmony comes in over it, the whole thing is built on what we call syncopation, which is the off-kilter kind of rhythmic jive of this piece, mm-hmm. uh, which gives it its charm. So what is that? How do, how do we apply that to copywriting? Right? Well, um, where better to go than the great Gary Bensavenga? I love this short ad of his called, uh, Do You Make These Mistakes in Job Interviews? Uh, modeled after the old, Do You Make These Mistakes in English? And just a, another little side note here. You know, I used to be a professor of music composition. There's this huge debate among composition professors if you should do model compositions based on old masters, or if you should leave that stuff in the dust and come up with your own thing. And I think that come up with your own thing is a bunch of bullcrap. <laughs> There's so many great masters who 
really conquered this art form, why not build on what they've done? And you're not going to write the same kind of music as Beethoven or the Beatles. And the differences are your voice. That's where you start to develop your voice. Same in copywriting. Right? Like ben- Pennsylvania did not rip off the old ad, do you make these mistakes in English? He used it as a model, and the differences are his unique voice. So if you're getting started, and I'm kind of in that early zone of my copywriting career, modeling a great piece like that, a great a great sales letter like this is a great idea. And you can help find your own voice by standing on the shoulders of great masters. So, okay, here's the, here's this example. So the, the letter begins, uh, it has all these opening phrases that get you into a rhythm as you're reading it. They're little half phrases, little fragments that begin a bunch of sentences at the start and then throughout the rest of the letter. So here are here are several. If you're a man, pause, and then it goes on. Do you know why? Da, da, da. If you're a woman, then it goes on. Do you know? Goes on. According to a new report, these are examples. Here's the problem. He's got all of these in a row, like these short, rhythmic, concise little phrases that keep the forward motion, like the rhythm of the Eleanor Rigby, that syncopated forward motion, and then allow him to sort of set the table for the point he's trying to make. Then he keeps going. Of greatest value, surprisingly, indeed, there's more. Finally, for your privacy, and actually, if you go back, most of these have between two and four syllables, too. So they're almost a rhythmic match. Anyway, you could almost sing these. I just love that rhythm in keeping the reader moving forward, right? Because if we know if we lose their attention, they're going to put the letter down, they're not going to get to the big point, and we're not going to be able to add value to their life. So this drives that psychological uh, attention forward. I I think that's great. And uh, we always talk about rhythm in copywriting. And you're the first person I think who's ever been able to um, deconstruct what Gary Bensavanga was doing. I love it. So, yeah, uh, thank you. That's a real good example. Finally, uh, last question. I haven't run into too many other award-winning classical composers who are also copywriters. Doug, in fact, I don't think I've ever met anyone who is. Would you tell us about how you got into copywriting and also a little bit about your new book? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's a bit of a sob story. Um, that, that Kennedy Center opera that I had, it was a big deal. I mean, to graduating with a PhD in classical music is one thing, but getting on a major American opera stage is like light years away from getting a PhD. I never thought it would happen. And only two short years after I had got my PhD, I was on the big opera stage. I had a great opera at the Kennedy Center. It was reviewed well. Ruth Bader Ginsburg attended my opera. She sat right in front of me. She gave me a standing ovation. It was like, this was serious business. Well, I come back to Cincinnati where I was teaching at the time. And a few weeks later, the department chair calls me in and fires me. I was like, what's going on? I just brought a bunch of notoriety to our school. We were in the Washington Post with my review and they loved it. And it's like, isn't that what you're supposed to do as a professor? Publish or perish, right? That's what I thought was, was the, the deal here. Well, 
I didn't get an explanation. It was really just kind of like, well, we just feel like, you know, da, da, da. I didn't even understand what he was saying to me. Maybe I was so shut down with the kick in the nuts that I, <laughs> I couldn't think straight. But, oh, my gosh, the tailspin. And I had to finish the semester out, too, which was ridiculous. I had six weeks left in the semester. And I tried to find someone else to cover the classes, and the department chair blew up. I was like, I've never seen something so unprofessional. Like, unprofessional? I, wow. Anyway, it's a long story. I went into a tailspin. I mean, this is my identity, right? My entire life, since I was... The, as young as I can remember, the, my earliest memories are around music with my dad, studying scores, going to orchestra concerts. I've spent a lot of money and years, uh, nine years of college. I mean, it's just, this is a big commitment to be a full-time professional musician. And suddenly, it was kind of being ripped away from me. I always wanted to be a professor, all that. So my brother-in-law, um, who owns a dropship company, an Amazon kind of company, I was looking for someone to come onto the team and learn online marketing because they were doing well with that. And he said, well, you could come work for me and I'll buy you some books and some courses and you could learn a new, a new trade. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know what else to do. And I got th you know three little kids at the time to feed and my wife and lots of student loans and lots of credit card debt and I got to do something. So I, I started started learning some online marketing and got books by Jeff Walker and Ray Edwards and this really cool guy named David Garfinkel. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Your headlines book and your breakthrough craft writing book and start taking courses. And um, so, you know, I, I was going down this rabbit hole and I started to realize how copywriting was really similar to writing music, this whole persuasion idea, especially when I write, dramatic music for the stage or for a church because there's a real sort of moral of the story that I'm trying to get across. There's a real point that I'm trying to make. I'm trying to persuade people to repent or, you know, feel after God or uh, whatever the, the case may be. And so I started trying out some things with emails, uh, had a big success with my wife's business. In fact, we, we used one of Ben Settle's uh, methods of launching a product to do a huge sale that won us a trip to Maui. We're going to Maui in three weeks, all on 24 emails that, <laughs> that got us there. Copywriting got me to Maui. There's That's, your right. <laughs> That's a great headline. Yeah. So uh, I was hooked by them. Like, wow, the results were incredible. And my wife's little network marketing business, like we grew it 13x in about wow. oh. six months with email copywriting. Wow. Wow. Whoa. So then I, I hooked up with Ray Edwards. I went through his certification program. I was recently sort of got the stamp and seal of approval of, you know, A-lister Ray Edwards. I'm one of his certified copywriters. I'm working on a big project in his new agency right now. A, a big project, like over 50 emails in a launch sequence, right? Well, that was actually a private uh, gig for Ray. He hired me privately to write a 52 piece uh email series which i'm i'm calling these uh email melodramas these long storytelling you know almost like a sitcom hooked together over a whole year of episodes um so yeah that was a separate thing but in his agency we're doing a big launch for i can't disclose who the client is or what the product is because we're mid you know mid work but it's um it's involving three other of his certified copywriters we're all working together as a team we have specific assignments 
It's very much like writing an opera, actually. I feel like I'm the composer with a librettist, and I have a stage director, and I have an orchestra conductor, and I you know, have an artistic director in Ray Edwards, and we're all working together. And it's, it's been a lot of fun, a huge learning experience, but a great amount of fun to be part of a team. I was worried that you know, composers and copywriters seem to have a similarity in another way in that we're often a little bit like hermits. We like to keep to ourselves and a little bit introverted yeah. or maybe yeah. a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, I like that to a degree, but I also like being part of a team, which I love writing with churches and I love writing with ensembles and operas. And now as, co- as a copywriter, I'm really loving working with and raised agency as a, as a team effort. It's a lot of fun. So I'm having a, I'm having a blast. That's cool. And briefly, tell us about your book, too. Yes, my book. So I'm working on a book called Symphonic Copywriting. That's sort of how I'm branding myself, a symphonic copywriter. And uh, it's basically lessons in copywriting through a composer's eyes and taking a difficult subject, which copywriting can be quite difficult, a deep rabbit hole, and simplifying uh, the mindset, simplifying the processes by applying musical ideas to the the art of copywriting, whether it's headlines or bullets or big ideas or emails or product launches or the marketing side. And so I have sort of three sections. I have like writing a piece. First, you prepare to write the piece, you plan, you draw up the architecture. Then you have stage two where you actually do all the writing. And then stage three, you got to put, you got to perform it. You got to see what the audience thinks, right? Same thing with Mm -hmm. copywriting. You got to Gotta test it. So that's how the book is sort of outlined in those three phases. And I go through it with a bunch of musical examples of the great composers and film composers, lots of John Williams. He's a favorite. And David Garfinkel features. Yeah, well, I, I got a chance to take a, a look at it. I... So in uh, chapter one, I start, or is it chapter two? I can't remember. In one of those early chapters, I'm talking about how a lot of these composers, their identities are very similar to a lot of my favorite copywriters. And I compared David Garfinkel to one of my absolute favorite composers, Johannes Brahms, one of the great composers of all time for many reasons. And you can check it out in the book. But David, David is very much a Brahms character, the way he is a conservative yet progressive, the way he is a critiquer. Brahms was a great critiquer of other composers' music. He spent a lot of time helping out Schubert and Schumann and... Dvorak and all these other famous composers to get their best pieces out into the public. And that's what David does. David's helping all these great copywriters to be their best selves and have winners. And so it's very much a, a direct comparison. Well, I'm, I'm blown away by that. And thank you. It's, it's very kind and extremely surprising when I was going over your book. I said, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually, I've prepared a couple chapters for your listeners Okay. It's a, it's a draft copy still, so there's a, a few things. Of course, when David looked over, he said, can I make a few suggestions? Yes, please. I would love to hear your suggestion. So I'm working on a few changes, but you can get the gist of what's going on uh, by downloading the first two chapters for free on my website, which is uh, symphoniccopywriting.com. There's two C's in the middle, symphoniccopywriting.com slash book. And, and you're not spelling symphonic the German way. You're spelling it with the PH, right? With the PH, that's right. S Y, uh, gosh, I got to type it out. Oh, there we go. S Y M P H O N I C 
copywriting.com slash book. There you can see the outline of the book, the titles of the chapters, and uh, there's a little button to click to to get a, a free download. So have at it. Yeah, and I've got an advanced look at a lot of this, and I want to recommend it to everybody. Right now, the first two chapters are free. So, you know, as as Janice Joplin said, get it while you can, because when you wake up, it might not be there. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me? <laughs> it was just her birthday the other day. <laughs> I loved yeah. it. I loved her. Awesome. All right, I, I think that's about it, Nathan. What do you think? I just want to say this was a fantastic episode. I really, maybe it's because we're all music nerds, but I really loved uh, just all the comparisons of how music works with how copywriting works. And um, just, it was one of those episodes that really hit home for me. So thank you, Douglas, for coming on. Thank you, David. This is a fantastic episode. Thank you both. It's been a great pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. I'm glad you came. All right. We'll catch you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. See you then. If you found this show valuable and you'd like to get it in the ears of other people, the best way to do that is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes.